Here's what's coming up on today's show. My point, though, is that anytime the herd says it's going to happen, you got to consider the possibility that it probably won't. Let us help you reach your peak in retirement. It's time for Your Retirement Elevated. Hey, welcome to another edition of Your Retirement Elevated. Walter Storholt, and we've got a special edition of the podcast today with Scott Dugan, of course, managing partner and co-founder of Elevated Retirement Group, based in the Kansas City metro area, but serving clients all across the country. Uh, What we're going to do is have a special edition of the show where Scott recently hosted a webinar for his clients and had Mike Sorrentino, who you've heard him talk about before on the show here, uh, to join him and discuss some financial topics that are top of mind for many people right now. This is sort of in the wake of the midpoint of 2023, sort of a mid-year or halftime report, if you will. Uh, The topics that you're going to hear about discussed from this webinar uh, include the current state of the housing market. Been a lot of news there over the last couple of years, of course, and uh, it's always uh, seems to be fluctuating and heading in one direction or another. Interest rate uh, changes have certainly influence the housing market. So the guys are going to give a report on that. We're going to talk about inflation, of course, as well, and the stock market as a whole. There will be some predictions or some thoughts for the second half of this year that you'll want to listen in for. Keep in mind that this was a webinar, so there may be references to a slideshow that accompanied some of the talking points that won't be shown. So just keep that in the back of your mind. But the broader concepts you're going to be able to pick up, follow along, and I think find helpful uh, through today's program. So without further ado, let's turn it over to Scott and Mike. You're listening to the Retirement Elevated Podcast Special Webinar Edition Halftime Report. Well, good afternoon, everyone. This is Scott Dugan. Uh, Welcome to the 2023 uh, halftime report. I'm going to be joined with none other than Mike Sorrentino today. Uh, Mike, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks. Good to be here. And I, and Mike and I were chatting a little bit before this. Uh, it, it's nice that uh, we're able to talk about some positive things uh, that are going on economically and in the markets. And the plan uh, for today uh probably a maximum of 45 minutes uh, to run through uh, what we have. Uh, Mike is going to be talking about the bulk uh, of the material today. Uh, Mike and his team have done a great job of putting together facts and data, uh, what really is going on in in the world today. And then I have the easy part, which is coming at the end and doing the fun announcement things of what's going on uh, with the Elevator Retirement Group and the team here. And so that's really our format uh, for today. Now, uh, as far as questions, uh, we have found in the past that if you do have a question, it's best if you type it into the uh, Q&A section and uh, we'll be monitoring those. We've got a few people on here. We'll monitor those questions. And then if we have a list of them at the end, uh, Mike and I will definitely take some time to go through those. Uh, So with that, Mike, are we ready to go? Let's do it. Well, I love what you had to say here, uh, that time favors the optimist, especially as quick as things move in today's world. I think that uh, if you don't like what's happening, you just need to wait a little bit. It's kind of like the weather in Kansas. Just wait a little bit, it's going to change. And that's certainly uh, what we've seen uh, 2023. You know, I think, Mike, we've talked many times that 2022 was uh, was definitely a rough 
a rough year in the markets. I think we can all agree there. Um, but they're, we're far, finally starting to see some bright spots in 2023. So I'm excited for you to, to go through those with everybody today. There's a lot of good stuff going on right now. It's not perfect, right? And it was, it's never perfect, no. right? But there's always, there are always no. problems. But there's, you know, I, let's just put it this way. I'm a lot happier to be here today than I was a year ago. All right. So let's, let, we, can, we can at least start it there. <laughs> exactly. You could, you could be a little more relaxed today. We don't have to be as, uh, as there. And obviously, as Mike, you, you, we had a great uh, event earlier in the year when you came out to Kansas City. Uh, mm-hmm. Great reviews. Actually, people stuck around for quite a long time. And so we're definitely looking forward to you coming out in 2024. Uh, for you, as maybe you're, you're newer with the firm. Uh, I've known Mike for many years. I have a lot more gray hair now than when Mike and I met many years ago. Uh, but Mike's background, uh, obviously, he... I have a face for radio. Mike has a face for media, but he is background chief investment officer, institutional investor, Bernstein Research, Barclays. So some very, very large prestigious firms on Wall Street, uh, very sharp gentleman, MBA, CFA, a lot of letters behind his name. But the reason we have been working with Mike and his team for so long is that Mike does an unbelievable job of taking very complex uh, situations, you know, markets, economies, and he's one of the best, at, especially in written form. He's he's great in the spoken form as well. But of uh, breaking things down and make them easy to understand. And one of the things that I talk about is Mike does a great job of giving you the rationale of what's going on, and gives you the story and the details behind where you'd be able to relay what Mike explains to us at a cocktail party, you know, or, or at a lunch or a dinner. And I think that's what's important because most people want to have a sense of understanding of what's going on. And Mike does a great job of the what uh, with the why. And so Mike, with that, I'll turn it over to you and let you uh, go through today's information. Thank you so much. Yeah, there's, um, there's a lot to talk about today. So let's, let's go ahead and get started here, actually, because I think this is really the, um, you know, I want to spend more time on what's going on because there's so, there is there's been a lot this year. You know, let's let's rewind the clock. Um, I talked about a year. I said er, a year ago, I was a little bit hesitant to talk to anybody about markets. <laughs> uh, it was actually uh, more challenging at the beginning of the year. We did our state of the markets back in uh, December, January timeframe, and um, the theme that I had back then was difficult, not impossible. I was stealing the the famous quote from The Godfather too when you're talking about Iman Roth. Uh, taking a hit on him. And I, I use that quote because there was a 100% assurance of a recession six months ago. It was happening. You couldn't talk to anybody that had a different opinion because it didn't exist. The conference board, which is a very uh, uh, closely followed measure of sentiment, a 99.9% probability. I'm not kidding. That was the number. 99.9% probability of a recession by now, by this point, by August of this year. And it didn't happen, right? So I said difficult, not impossible for a reason. I said that because I said, look, there's a chance the Fed could pull this off. There's a chance we could see that quote unquote soft landing. Soft landing meaning let's get inflation down, but not cause a recession. And all I said was, I think there's a chance that this happening and we don't want to position our portfolios to 100% assurance of a recession because 
there is a, there is a possibility that we could pull this off, and and I got a lot of heat for this, a lot. And I'm by the way, I'm not doing a victory lap right now. I'm not I'm not crazy enough to do that. Anybody that has confidence in this business is going to get their face ripped off at some point. My point though is that anytime the herd says it's going to happen, you got to consider the possibility that it probably won't. All right, and I think it it, it worked well. It paid off. It's so knock on wood. So far this year, it's paid off for us. So let's talk a little bit about why we're not in recession right now, okay? Because I think it's an interesting subject. One of the very few things that Ben Bernanke ever said that was smart, our former Fed chair, was history has demonstrated time and again the inherent resilience and recuperative powers of the American economy. Our economy, the U.S. economy, was built to grow. It wants to grow. It is designed for growth, entrepreneurship, innovation, all of those awesome things that are really hard to turn off, okay? So, when we get into a little bit of a downtime or down period, it doesn't tend to last all that long. There's a ton of data to support that. The most important, I think one of the most important components right now of our economy is the housing market. A year ago on the Halftime Report, I was talking about how the housing market dipped into recession. And it did, for the most part. Extremely short-lived, though, because the housing market today is a completely different story. All right? There's, there's not everything is good. Okay? We all know that. All right? There's a couple problems right now. You know, the the number of new homes and, and some of the prices and, and there's there's all this negative data out there but i want to let's go into the covers let's 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 not talk about where it's been let's talk about where it's going the number of homes in the u.s for sale fell to 1.37 million in may okay a couple months ago all right that's the lowest level on record going back to 2012 why why aren't people moving it's that chart on the right all right all those pretty colors that probably make no sense i'll explain that what that means currently 60, I'm sorry, 92%, 92% of mortgages in this country are below 6%, 92%, okay? Now let's get more, let's have more fun. 64% of mortgages in this country are below 4%. So if I've got a mortgage at 3.5% for 30 years and I want to move for whatever reason, let's say I'm a 30, you know, I'm in my 30s, we had another kid, we need more space, or I get this great job promotion, I'm moving to some other part of the country, whatever it might be. Right now, people are not doing it. Why? Because they can't afford to, or they don't want to. They don't want to pay the extra money. If I'm paying three and a half percent, why would I want to pay seven and a half percent for the same house? So what we're running into right now is a major supply issue. Now that might sound concerning, but guess what? We've had a supply issue in this country for like 18 years now. I'm not exaggerating. It's been a really long time. We had a supply problem in many ways even before the financial crisis of 2008 happened. All right. Housing supply has always been an issue in this country for as long as I can remember. And it's just getting worse. So what that has done is that it's caused a, cr- a lot of crazy things to happen. One is that all the new home, um, new homes in this country have surged lately. All right. New construction has taken off permits. You can look at all these different data points to say that housing is coming back for a lot of different reasons. Existing home prices right now in many markets are higher than new house prices. Think about that. How weird is that? That'd be like buying a used car. It'd be worth more than a new car. That doesn't happen very often either. It's happening because of the supply. It's keeping prices where they are. It's keeping them high and keeping them elevated. And that is a very important component to the U.S. economy. Why? Because right now we have the highest number of homes with equity values higher than 50%. I'll, play, I'll explain that in, put that in English. Loan to value, all right? However you want to look at it. The equity Home equity and across the country right now is at the highest levels it's ever been. That's a good thing, 
Remember back in 2007, we didn't have home equity. We had zero down mortgages. We had no one to put anything down. All right. Yeah. No doc mortgages, all that other crazy stuff that was happening today. You have to go through the ringer to get a mortgage and your equity values are high. That means that the debt issues that we had in 2007 and eight aren't really showing up. Now, yes, we've got credit card ri- uh, balances rising. Yes, we have student loan payments being turned on. Yes, people are saving less. All those different things are happening, but we equi- the most important financial asset on our balance sheets, our personal balance sheets, is for all intents and purposes in good shape, and I think it's gonna continue to get better. Inflation, we gotta talk about inflation. All right, so it's actually lower than this, this statistic. I show this uh, number on the screen right now. I use Trueflation, that's T-R-U-flation.com. You can go on and it gives you a kind of a real-time estimate of what inflation is in the country. Now, obviously estimates depend on what you're looking at, what kind of prices, what's in the basket of goods, things of that nature. But I like using this because you get a good read of what's going on in the economy. It tends to actually line up quite nicely with, um, with some of the other government statistics. It's actually lower. Right now, it's about 2.2%. Okay, and it obviously changes every day. This is important. Inflation is coming down. Every single measure you can find of inflation for all intents and purposes is, is indicating the exact same thing. Inflation is moderating, okay? Now, the pace of that moderation is changing, okay? It's slowing down, but that's to be expected. You tend to see that in any kind of data set. So it's at least moving in a good direction, and that makes me happy, okay? Because that has taken the Fed the Federal Reserve out of crisis mode. They're no longer panicking and running around with their heads cut off, thinking, oh my God, what are we going to do? And this is important. Now, we might see a little bit of an uptick in inflation in the next uh, month or two because we're seeing energy prices rising across the country right now, but they're not rising that much. One, two, energy prices tend to be very cyclical and kind of all over the place. So I wouldn't necessarily say that the Fed's going to take those too seriously if it were to happen, but this is a good thing. Consumer spending is two-thirds of our economy. When you add in business spending on top of that, 88% of our economy is going out to a movie, going out to dinner, a company buying another company, a company buying a printer, whatever it might be. It's about spending. Our economy cannot grow unless you, me, and everybody else is spending. And right now, spending is okay. It's not amazing. It's okay. And that's, in my opinion, a very good thing because the spending that we saw in 2020, 2021 was not healthy. It was not good. It was way, way above trend. And we don't like to see above trend because when something's above trend, it tends to come down below trend over time. Besides, we don't want people spending too much money. All right. So the government sent us checks in the mail like they do in Europe all the time, but they did it over here for a couple months and we got to go out and buy TVs. We're starting to see that mix shift change. You listen to CEOs on corporate on, on earnings calls right now. They're talking about a shift to staples. Okay, staples meaning you know toilet paper, bleach, things of that nature, away from TVs and, and radios and all that other stuff that that it truly is discretionary. We're getting back to normal spending patterns from the lockdowns, but we are seeing a bit of a pullback. All right, inflation is starting to impact spending. Ninety-two percent of people surveyed right now have said that they pulled back in one way, shape, or the other. All right. My household is definitely pulled back over the past year and a half. I, I, I don't, we don't buy certain things at the grocery store anymore. It's just the way we are. We're cheap. 43% have said this coming holiday season, at the end of the year, they plan to spend less than they did last year. Okay, so we are seeing a slowdown in spending. But the, here's the key point on the right-hand side. I know that chart might be hard to see. The point here is that even though we might be below uh, where we were a little while ago, you know, a year and a half, two years ago, 
we're still close to trend. We're still above the 2019 levels, okay? So that means even before the whole lockdown thing happened, we would still indicate higher spending than we did in 2019. So even though it's, again, my point is, even though it's coming down, it's not like it's falling apart. We're normalizing. We're getting back to our normal world. This is important. And if you think about expectations right now, what is being priced into the market out in December of 2024? That's 18 months from now. Eh, 16, 17 months. I don't know. Something like that. It's a year and a half from now. Okay. What has been priced into stocks? Okay. This is important because remember, stocks, for example, all right, they price in future moves. All right. It's anticipation. They anticipate moves six to nine months before they happen. So what's been priced into stocks is a 70% chance, roughly speaking, that interest rates are going to fall anywhere between 1% to 2%. That's a good thing. Let's hope the market's right. I don't like seeing mortgages this high. Right? I don't like seeing loans this expensive. All right, There's some nice things about it, right? Your cash is worth more. But at the end of the day, I would love to see interest rates come down because if interest rates come down at some point, that means that that's going to be more fuel for stocks and, and other risk assets. Okay. But my point here is that the expectations that have been baked in the markets is that we're going to see interest rates come down. Now, these expectations are almost certainly going to be wrong. They're almost never right. But again, we don't really care what the number. I'm cared about the direction. Point here is that investors are anticipating lower rates going forward. So if the Fed were to raise one more time, another 25 basis points, something like that, it's not really going to matter. And we saw that a couple of weeks ago, right? The Fed raised another 25 basis points, I think, it last week. And it didn't really do anything. The market basically ignored it. Why? Because they were expecting it. And they don't care. Because down the road, the expectation is that interest rates are going to fall. And I think that's good. But I think the key, co the key component of the economy right now for long-term prosperity of Americans is that real wealth is back. When I say the word real, what I'm saying is you say, okay, wages are growing. We're getting, you know, every year I'm getting a bump in pay, whatever it might be. That growth rate needs to be higher than inflation, okay? Because if it's not, you're not creating real wealth, okay? So if my wages are growing 5% and inflation's 2%, that means my real wealth accumulation every year is 3% as an economy. Now, that's a good thing, okay? On that red dotted line, that's the left-hand side of that, of that chart. That's what we like to see on the right-hand side is a bad thing, okay? The right-hand side is when inflation, that blue line inflation is higher than real wealth. I'm sorry, higher than wage gains. Because when that happens, that means I'm being taxed so much, I'm actually losing wealth over time. And that's where we've been for the past two years. Inflation is just, just tearing apart wealth accumulation until recently. I know you can't see it, all right? But if you look really, really close on there, I've had really cool animation in PowerPoint, which I don't know how to do. You could see that real wealth is back. Wages are now growing more than inflation. And these trends tend to be very sticky. Once they, once they reverse, they tend to stay there for a while. If that's the case, you know, Scott, you said at the beginning, there's a lot to be excited about right now. It's not perfect, though. The risk of a recession is not off the table. Okay. Now, there's a lot of capitulation going on right now, a lot of market strategists. Even Morgan Stanley has been the biggest bear on the Wall Street. By far the biggest bear. Finally, this week threw in the towel. He came out and said, Mea culpa, I was wrong. All right, and we're not ripping on him. We don't do that. That's not the point. All right, the point is, is that the sentiment shift is moving and it's moving strong, and sentiment matters. We'll talk more about that in just a few minutes. 
Let's go to markets. I've used this quote many times from a famous investor, Shelby Davis. You make most of your money in a bear market. You just don't realize it at the time. What a year it has been so far. We have the NASDAQ, all right, which is actually higher. This is chart is as of the end of the half, first half of the year, so June 30th. We're even up higher than this. I think the NASDAQ is above 40% right now. The S&P 500 is right around this, a little bit above 20%, give or take. This is from actually the lows last year, so October 12th or mid-October, somewhere. In the, I forgot the exact date. The point is, is that we have seen quite a big recovery, okay? So I think what we saw last year was a lot of people got spooked and scared out of the market, and now they're trying to catch up. This is the danger of trying to trade through volatility, okay? Because if you miss the early innings of a recovery, it is almost impossible to get back on a mathematical basis. It's just very, very difficult. So if you look at the NASDAQ specifically, the NASDAQ, all right, everybody talks about the NASDAQ as like a tech index. A tech, it's all technology stocks. It's not. It's a lot of technology, don't get me wrong, but there's other growth sectors in there, all right? And I love the NASDAQ because I like growth stocks. I like the idea of buying something that's going to grow over time. And if you look at this index, we just had the best first half ever for the NASDAQ, ever since the index was created this year. That's how strong the first half of the year was. And everybody's going to say, whoa, it's just artificial intelligence. It was just hype. Oh, that does, it's not real. My argument, my counter argument is, yeah, it was all hype. And you know what? I'm fine with that. Think about this. Have you spent some time on ChatGPT or one of these other artificial intelligence tools, generative AIs that's out there? Just go to one of the websites and play around. You will be blown away. Absolutely blown away with where this is headed. All right. And guess what? Nearly all of it was created right here in the United States, in our country, in our economy, in our system of government that fosters entrepreneurship and innovation. So yeah, this is all from AI. I love it because that's another indication of how strong our economy is over time. And since then, the breadth of that rally has changed. I'm going to talk about that in, in just a second. But it's quiet out there right now, okay? This, in many ways, gives me a little bit of pause to get too excited, but it's almost been a major sh reversal in not just sentiment, but also volatility. We haven't seen much volatility. We saw a little bit this week when the, when the debt got downgraded. Okay, Fitch downgraded the U.S. debt, which, by the way, side note, not event. It's not worth really get, discussing too much. That was very widely expected. We knew, we knew this was going to happen months ago. And to be honest with you, I don't even know why they raised the U.S. debt. Okay, We saw in 2011 when S&P Global down, downgraded the, uh, the U.S. debt. You want to know what happened? People end up going out and buying treasuries. Why? Because of their safe haven. So when we saw volatility in stocks, the irony is that people sold stocks and went into the very asset that was just downgraded because of the safety, the perceived safety of U.S. treasuries. So we can just ignore that downgrade because it doesn't mean anything, at least in the short term. Now, it does signify there are problems. Don't get me wrong. We are spending too much money. We have too much debt, all of those things. But those are issues for several decades down the road. So getting back to volatility, it is very quiet out there. This VIX, V-I-X, that's an index of volatility. It is at the lowest level we've seen in a very long time. That's one of the reasons why we've seen such a strong move in stocks lately, and that is nice. And sentiment, I mentioned earlier, sentiment is very, very important for short-term momentum, especially. On the top chart, the blue line, this is a survey, a very well, I'm sorry, the red line, excuse me, the red line. This is a survey, a very well-respected survey of, of investors. Right now, sentiment is the highest it's been since November 2021. The blue line at the bottom, that is 
active manager exposure to equities. In English, what that means is all the professional fancy money managers out there, are they buying more or less stocks? And right now they're buying more stocks than they have since November 21. These are good characteristics of the early innings of a new bull market. And that's the question. Are we in a bull market? I don't know. I mean, I think we are. I could be wrong. We could, we're, it's not going to be smooth sailing in the second half of the year. I'll get to that in just a second. But I do think there's a lot of really positive stuff happening right now. I mentioned earlier, oh, it's just AI. It's just AI. It was at the beginning of the year. All right. Tech stocks were driving the S&P 500 and NASDAQ primarily five to seven stocks. That was it. But what we've seen since June are a couple of things. One is that the breadth of the rally, when I'm talking about the breadth, I'm talking about other sectors, other stocks. It's not just technology. Other sectors are starting to participate now. And more importantly, it's the cyclical sectors. Okay, In English, what that means is discretionary stocks, industrials, things of that nature. These are the stocks that tend to take off first in an economic recovery. It's an indication that investors think that we're in a bull market because they wouldn't be buying these stocks otherwise. All right. Again, this is all this all the stuff we're talking about right now is not obvious. It's not in textbooks. It takes some experience and it takes some work to under the covers of these assets and securities to know the trends and how they're working. And this is what we do every day here. We pay attention to this stuff. They don't report about this stuff in the Wall Street Journal all that often. Sometimes they do, but not all that often. And we're starting to see it. Will history repeat itself? I got a fun fact for you from somebody I follow very closely at, at the Carson Group. His name is Ryan Detrick. He's great with great with data. Since the early 1950s, when the S&P 500 is up more than 10% through June, it rises by a median of 10% in the second half. Think about that. We were up over 10% in the first half of the year. Now, past performance does not predict future returns. We all know that. The SEC requires us to tell you that. But history rhymes for a reason, okay? And I'm not saying this is going to happen for sure, but this is very encouraging, all right? If we saw, we, and we saw this, we saw up 10%, more than 10% in the first half of the year, I do believe that there are a lot of positive drivers that could push stocks higher in the second half of the year. I mentioned this earlier, the breadth is widening, and this is very important. For the early innings of a bull market to take off, to have a good, solid foundation, okay? Think about a building. If you have four sticks in the ground, a building can fall over. If you have 200 sticks in the ground, all right, concrete sticks, and a hurricane comes through, you're going to be all right. And that's what we want because we're going to see a correction. We're going to see down, uh, downturns in the market in the second half of the year. It always happens. And if only five or six stocks are holding up the rally, whole thing could fall apart very quickly. But what we're seeing now is we're seeing more sticks get put on the ground every single day. All right. All these different other sectors. And it's strengthening the rally. So if we get hit hard in a couple months, let's say tech gets hit hard for whatever, Apple, whatever it might be, it's not all relying on one or two or three or five or seven stocks. We've got more on the ground. It's going to be a stronger foundation. That makes me happy. So let's talk about looking forward. I love this quote from George Patton as well. If everyone is thinking alike, then somebody isn't thinking. That's the business. That's the reason why nobody invites me to holiday parties anymore or cocktail parties, because I just want to argue with them. If I'm in a room with Democrats, I'm the biggest Republican and vice versa. Okay. I just love to argue because that's where you find opportunity. You have to be a contrarian. You have to. If everybody says a recession is a guaranteed probability event, Six months ago, when they were saying it was going to happen, foregone conclusion, the greatest predicted recession ever that I've ever seen. And it doesn't happen. When people are so sure about something, you got to consider the other direction. When everybody's investing one way, you got to look at some other opportunities as well. And that's what we're doing here every day.
I think there's a lot of opportunity for equities going forward, stocks, and, and actually bonds. I'll get into that in a second as well. The amount of dry powder, what I mean by dry powder, the amount of cash sitting on the sidelines looking for a home is really, really high right now. We saw a record $5.3 trillion on the sidelines in money market funds in May. That's a huge number. All right, what does that tell me? We have a lot of people that were scared out of the market last year and they ran to cash. And that's unfortunate. But that cash has to go somewhere, okay? Yes, cash is earning 5%. Yes, that's higher than inflation right now. But, and this is a big but, after taxes and everything else and reinvestment risk, that cash is not as safe as people think it is. And we're starting to see that cash get deployed. So my point here is that there's a lot of dry powder that is going to start looking for a home, in my opinion, very soon. Probably the beginning. It's probably already, well, it looks like it's already started, but I think it's going to gain more momentum going forward. And there's a huge case to be made to put it into stocks, but also bonds. Okay. So here's the thing, like last bull market, all right, the playbook in last bull market, I, I actually hate to say it, it was pretty easy. All right. The Fed kept interest rates down at zero. So it made my job super easy. It said, go out and buy stocks. A rising tide lifts all ship. It doesn't really matter what you buy. Pretty much all of it's going to go up. All right. So I look, it was, like I said, it was a very easy bull market to invest in. That's not going to be the case going forward. This is going to be a completely different playbook. And one of the parts of the playbook, which I'm actually encouraged and excited about, is that there actually are alternatives to stocks. It's not going to just be buy the stock market, call the day. I have other options now I can look at. The bond market, for example, is a great place. This is, this is a, a chart of U.S. Treasury bond yields, okay, government bond yields. Right now, well, they're, they've changed a little bit since then, a little bit higher. But my point here is that you can find a lot of opportunities in the bond market today. So, you know, think about it from a planning perspective. When Scott had a client, if you have clients you know, uh, a couple of years ago and they wanted income from their investments, that was a really hard thing to do for like 12 years, a really hard thing to do. Going forward, we can build income plans now with a lot less risk, a lot less volatility, a lot more certainty in terms of getting you to your financial goals. This makes me very happy. And when you think about the second half outlook for the year, there's a lot of reason for optimism, a lot. Inflation is going to continue to fall. It's just going to. Now, we might see a couple upticks here and there from energy prices, food prices, things of that nature. But we are seeing the effects of rising interest rates uh, and not just rising interest rates, it's also the money supply is coming down quite a bit. We're seeing these dynamics bringing inflation down and it will continue. A soft landing is more of a possibility, but at the same time, while six months ago we weren't discounting, we weren't 100% sure that we were going to see a recession, I'm not 100% sure it's off the table either yet. Okay, So we have to keep that incorporated into our positioning and our portfolios. Otherwise, we don't want to get too greedy, too cute, whatever, whatever word you want to use around that. We want to play it a little bit safer than normal. Corporate earnings should fuel a broader rally. Corporate, I mean, for all intents and purposes, uh, uh, corporate executives did a pretty decent job in the last 18 months managing expectations, right? We saw a lot of layoffs, that's true. But what we, we saw them do was getting ready for a downturn. They preserved their margins. They right-sized their businesses in many ways. They preserved, preserved cash. They're handling their debt loads, things of that nature, which I think has actually been a good thing. And we're in the middle of corporate earnings right now. And I think through the end of the year, we're going to see earnings do better than I think what's been baked into expectations so far. And that's what I'm looking forward to. Might see some defaults, okay? But mind you, that's very normal in a rising interest rate environment. You tend to see some defaults. But I think a lot of companies today have way more options for financing than they did, let's say, back in the last cycle because 
there are other lenders out there than banks these days willing to take on uh, companies that need money. All right. There's, I don't think the odds of a quote unquote liquidity crisis like we saw in 2007 are very, very low right now. So our plan going forward is going to be a couple of things. One, like I said, we want to prepare for a hard landing uh, while hoping for a soft one, a hard landing meaning a recession. I, I don't think a recession is off the table yet. All right. Again, uh, it's just we, we want to play it a little bit safe. Um, we've had more risk in our portfolios over the last six months than I think most managers did. And I don't th- and to be clear, we're not necessarily going to take that out. But what I'm not going to do is say, OK, let's back up the truck. All bets are on stocks and put every single dime of our assets in there because that's not how we mon- manage money here. We do diversified portfolios. We target risk levels. We try to get financial goals met, not outperform benchmarks. That's not our business. We're going to use solutions to try to narrow the range of outcomes. There are opportunities today that exist that did not exist a year ago. Because of the new interest rate environment, the way to narrow and more closely target financial goals, those opportunities today are a lot better than they were a year ago, way better than eight or 10 years ago, way more. We're going to focus more on the economy and less on the Fed, what that basically means. Let's go back to June. I mentioned this earlier. In June, we saw a major shift that went down. And that major shift was we saw positive economic news cause stocks to go higher. And we hadn't seen that in over a year, probably a year and a half. And it sounds crazy to think that. Of course, the economy drives stocks. Why wouldn't that happen? Well, for a long time, when we saw positive economic data, that, would, that spooked traders because they thought, well, if that's if we see positive economic data, that means that the Fed's going to raise rates higher and therefore that's bad. But back in June, we had a jobs report that came out that caused the market to go even higher that day. That told me that people are no longer concerned about the Fed. It told me that we're back to normal. Good economic data means good for the markets. Bad economic data probably means bad for the markets. And we're seeing a lot of good economic data. I mean, not, not stellar, okay? I'll be very clear. Good. It's been good over the past three, two to three months, especially. So within that context, the new playbook going forward, we're going to pay a lot more attention to valuation. That's a very, very key point. Okay. Because again, when a rising tide lifts all ships back in um, the last bull market, when interest rates were at zero, it didn't matter what you bought. Everything went up. I think that is a very different story today because of where interest rates are, because there are opportunities in the bond market like we just talked about. There are opportunities in money market funds like we're seeing right now. People don't have to take the risk that they did back in the last bull market to get the same types of returns. So I do think valuations this time, okay, valuations are going to be way, way more important. And we're doing things right now. We're adjusting our portfolios to remove, and we've been doing this for a while. Not We didn't just start this. We've been doing this for well over a year now. Moving stuff out of the portfolios when it gets to the point where we can't justify the valuations. Whereas maybe five or six years ago, we would have said, well, there's nowhere else to put it, so let's keep it in. Those conversations have changed. And we're going to continue to do that. We're trying to basically de-risk the portfolio without sacrificing too much return whenever we can find the opportunities. So I guess what I would summarize here is that I wish I could tell you we're we're out of the woods. Everything's super going to be great. We're going to go back to the days of 20 and 30% gains in stocks. I don't think we're going to see that going forward. I, I actually do think that we're going to see a bumpy second half of the year just simply because of some of the gains we made. Just remember, if we do see some bumps along the way, corrections, downturns, drawdowns, whatever you want to call them, those are pressure release valves. 
Okay. We need to get the hype and the pressure removed from the market for to see another leg going higher. So the, when you see these events, my point here, the risk going forward is not a recession. The risk is not the economy falling apart. The risk is not a downgrade of the U.S. debt. The risk is getting scared out of the market. The risk is making an emotionally fueled decision that will change, that could potentially change meeting your financial goals over time. We're in a good spot right now. We really are. And I just hope that it continues. So with that, Scott, thank you. And I'm going to pass it back to you. Thank you, Mike. Uh, great information. And, and to follow up on that, just a couple of things before I get into the announcements. You know, the, we're talking about the, the economy, the stock market, you know, investments. And remember that investments are just the servant to the plan. Investments are the engine that drives everything to deliver income. And in our philosophy, you know, we have three ways basic ways that we design income plans, you know, to solve that income gap. And if you've been clients of ours for a while, you know, we talk about this all the time. Uh, the, the first way is to deliver it, you know, from a market-based perspective, uh, meaning we, we're fully in the market and we have some in cash, uh, but we know that, you know, the market can go up, goes down. And so that's going to be a variable or flexible spending situation, depending on your asset allocation. And we'll always want to have money in a smart place. Uh, so when certain uncertainty happens and we need income, we always want to be in a position uh, where we're not buying high and selling low. And so that's a strategy when we're all market-based. Now we have other clients uh, that like more of the protector to guaranteed approach. Uh, where their income gap is satisfied from more conservative investments, and they like that paycheck coming in on a consistent basis. Uh, now, the trade-off is we may not have as high of a growth or return in that um, bucket of money or section of money, uh, but it does provide that peace of mind. And the third area would be really a combination of those two. Are we using market-based investments and more protected guaranteed investments and matching those and deciding of your income gap, how much is protected, how much is market-based? So again, it's all designed around how you feel about the markets, what your risk tolerance is, meaning what is your stomach for watching the value of your dollars go up and down? And so that's why we customize every plan uh, with our clientele around one of those three areas. And so Mike and his team do a great job on that, the growth side, the investment side. And uh, I agree wholeheartedly. It is definitely easier uh, to have dollars in uh, savings, in fixed income type assets, because our yields are so much better. Our interest rates are so much better. So that makes it easier for us to put Again, money into that smart place and then basically making sure we have enough dollars put aside to deliver that income because that's what it's all about. It's all about having a steady, predictable income stream in retirement so you can go out and do the things you want to do, not worry about the gyrations of the market, what the media is telling us. That's our internal team's job. That's Mike and his team's job. That's what we're here to do and navigate through that. So that being said, uh, I want to thank everyone for their time. If there are any questions or anything that popped up that you want clarification on, uh, please feel free to reach out to the office and schedule a time, a phone call, Zoom, in office. We're always here for you. Uh, be happy to, to do that. Have a great 
rest of the day and a great weekend. All right, take care. Investment advisory services offered through Elevated Capital Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.